Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey guys, this is Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. Got a great interview today with a guy named Jim Simcoe from Simcoe Green Homes. We're going to be talking about building environmentally friendly real estate. And I'm actually really excited about this. This is something that I know a lot of our listeners are passionate about and concerned about, as you should be, right? But it's also can be very profitable if you do it right. We're going to talk about that on this show. I first want to ask you guys, if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, do a search for Real Estate Investing. You'll see our podcast near the top. If you like the show, leave us a review. Let us know that you like it. Leave uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes. There's also a lot of different ways you can listen to this show, and I'd be curious to know kind of what your favorite ways are of listening to podcasts. Right now, my favorite podcast app is called Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts. And if I think of it, I will actually tell you the domain. It's a little funky. Yeah, it's called ShiftyJelly.com. Shifty... <laughs> shiftyjelly.com slash pocketcasts, or if you just go to, if you just Google pocketcasts, you'll see it. So it's good for, it's a good app for Android, Windows, uh, iPhones, and even online. And the cool thing I like about it is that you can actually share really easily different podcast episodes with people. So as you're listening to the episode from the podcast app, you can actually share it, and it'll give you a short little URL link to let other people listen to it, whether they're on their browser or on their um, iPhone or phone. So this is not a podcast sponsored by Pocket Casts, although if somebody from Pocket Casts is listening to this and you'd like me, to, if you'd like to be a sponsor on the show, let me know. I, I love your product. It's a really cool product. There's a lot of good podcast app out there, and I just want to make sure you guys know about them because the iTunes, I'm sad to say, the uh, the iTunes podcast app from Apple is has a lot um, to left be desired, if that's the right word. It's pretty weak. I'm really disappointed with the podcast app. And so I tell everybody I know, listen, you've got to get a different app to listen to your podcasts. And if you like the show, let us know. If you listen on Stitcher, if you listen through iTunes or some of the other apps, leave us a review. We'd really, <coughs> really appreciate it. And I also want to tell you one more thing. If you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, you will get the show notes of all of our previous episodes. You can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes come out. And you can get our Fast Cash Survival Kit. Fast Cash Survival Kit for free. Alex and I always say if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. But in there, we teach you how we wholesale deals, whether they have equity or not. How we use virtual assistants to run our businesses. How we use marketing and all the different type of marketing that we do. It's a great resource and it's absolutely 100% free. You need to go check it out. Um, so with that... Jim, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad you're on the show. I don't remember, Jim, how we connected, um, but somebody recommended me to you. Awesome. And so awesome. we got on the phone. And thank you for talked. the Shifty Jelly recommendation. <laughs> do you listen to podcasts yourself? I do. I listen to a ton of them. I love them. What app do you use when you listen to podcasts? You know, I think I, I just use the regular iTunes app, but you know, I gotta say, I don't really love it, so I will definitely check out Shifty Shifty Jelly. Or, Shifty uh, Jelly. <laughs> yeah, how can you forget that name? 
So there's a there's a lot of good podcasts out there. I just don't understand why Apple is just so obnoxious with their podcast. It's always been really weak. I've always been frustrated with iTunes to begin with. Yeah, me too. Me too. But, um, you know, I love Apple products and <laughs> Google Play. Actually, this is exciting news for everybody. Uh, Google Play just recently, within the last few weeks to a month, um, have started releasing podcasts on Google Play. Really? So, yes. If you guys have an Android, uh, and if you get the Google Play, which should be native or automatically installed in all of your Android phones, there's something called Google Play Music, I believe. And on huh. there, they now have podcasts, which is really, really cool. I'm excited about that. In That's fact, awesome. I'm, I'm looking right now to see if... If our show, I know I had to submit our show on there, and uh, that we got approved. We actually have to go through an approval process. Unlike iTunes, anybody can get on. Google Play is actually a little more selective. Um, hmm. But I don't see. Hmm. I, maybe it's because I have an Apple device. <laughs> I don't see on Google Play where you can see podcasts yet. But all right, anyway. Just go get the uh, Pocket Cast app from Shifty Jelly, guys, and you'll like it. Um, that's, that's fantastic. So, Jim, give us a little well, – you know, I wanted to ask you this since we're on the topic of podcasts. What are some of the podcasts that you like to listen to, general business or real estate? doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, so I love your podcast, I think. I mean, uh, here's an uh, unpaid plug for you. I think yours is fantastic. Thank you. Um, yeah, great stuff, great delivery, just great, great audio too. Which is one of the things that I think I find interesting in podcasts is when people don't get the audio right. Oh, um, so I like yours. I listen to I listen to a lot of marketing podcasts because yeah. I think that that's that's the thing that I'm probably the weakest at. So I listen to like Amy Porterfield and Pat Flynn. Um, I used to listen to Tim Ferriss a lot. Yeah, and then I and then I. I just haven't listened to a ton of his stuff recently. I just, um, there's a new one called Pivot that I listen to, which is like kind of like a career um, and business automation hack hack podcast. I like that one a lot cool. as well. And then uh, I'm a pretty hardcore um, Boston sports fan. So I listen to a lot of, a lot of sports podcasts um, that are, that are pro, you know, pro Patriots, pro Red Sox, pro Celtics. Well, the Red Sox just beat the uh, Yankees. Yesterday, they did. Pretty, yeah, we swept them. Oh, it was all three games. Yeah. Oh, yep. that's yep. got to suck if you're yeah. a Yankees fan. Yeah. Well, it's just got to suck being a Yankees fan probably too. Especially this year. Yeah. They have like one of the worst records in the major leagues, I think, in the American League. It's awesome. I'm sorry. I shouldn't <laughs> say that. You, you might have Yankee. You might have New York listeners. My apologies. Well, we do. But I tell you what, we have a lot of Chicago listeners. And... um they are uh, – well, I should just be friendly. I shouldn't say anything negative about the Cubs. <laughs> just try to keep it as positive as possible, but I hate the Cubs. I love the Cardinals. And they're doing well, right? Like they're doing, they're doing pretty well, aren't they? Depressing, yes. <laughs> Every night I look at two scores. I look at the Cardinals, see if they won, and lately they've been losing more than they've been winning. And I look at the Cubs to see if they lost. And, uh, man, I just – Oh, so frustrating, especially after last year, but I won't go there. This is the Real Estate yeah. Investing Mastery Podcast. Right, right, but, right. Uh, I, should, I should shut up, too, because I could go on forever about, about sports stuff. I tell, what was the year, though, that the Red Sox won the World Series and they beat the Yankees in the uh, American League pennant? Um, 
That was 2004. And the reason I know that is because, um, so they were world champs in 2005. The Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2005. And that was the year my first daughter was born. Oh, wow. So when she came into the world, Pats were world champs. And so were the Red Sox. And and, it's never happened before. Right. And who did the Red Sox beat in the World Series? Do you remember? Who did they beat? Did they beat the Cardinals? I think they did. Yeah, I think they did beat the Cardinals. But the, yeah. I, I remember I was actually pulling for the Red Sox when I knew we weren't going to win. <laughs> I was, it now, was who's such. Your, who's your team? Uh, the Cardinals. Okay, but you were no, pulling for the Red Sox even though the Cardinals. Well, I, I knew we were toast. I mean, after the first game, I knew that there was no way we would win. That yeah, series. they were. The Red Sox were just on a roll that that year. They just, you know, well, Boston pretty, teams are like that. We just get on streaks, and you just, you know, you just can't get them off them. But I was, I think it was the Cardinals. I may be wrong. It was a long time ago. But um, I do remember thinking, watching these Red Sox play and just where they came from the year before, you couldn't mm-hmm. help but root for them, you know? Right, right, and, uh, right, right, exactly. So I, you know, I was sad the Cardinals didn't win the World Series that year, and, um, but I was still glad to see Boston win. I remember thinking it couldn't have happened to a better team. Yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they were just a magical team that year. They, you know, they just, they could do no wrong. And, you know, everybody loves them. And then Poppy, uh, he gets on a, a, a video to a kid with some kind of heart degenerate disease mm-hmm. or something before the game the other day and says, hey, I'm going to hit a home run for you. Yep. And then he and does. He a home run. <laughs> That's just kind of how he rolls. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So, <laughs> Jim, where do you live now? So I live in San Diego now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Weather's it's, here. Uh, wish you were beautiful. Yep. Yep. The weather is insane here all the time. Be crazy, be crazy to ever leave this place once I once I got here. So, what brought you to San Diego? Did you come there from Boston? Uh, I went to school in New York, and I played lacrosse in college. And we used to fly out here for spring training every year. So, if you can imagine twenty guys with mohawks landing in San Diego in March after leaving New York City and walking around town and seeing that you know sun, you know there was sunlight, the beach, the water was warm, everyone was super friendly. It was just a pretty easy sell for me as a 20-year-old. Okay. And so you've been there ever since? Yep. Yep. I graduated school, and then I, I moved to the West Coast six months later, and I actually lived in L.A. for a number of years, probably five, six years, and then came down to San Diego after that. What would you think of L.A.? I'm just curious. Um, you know, if you're in the movie industry or you are a gazillionaire, I think it would be probably a pretty cool place to live. Otherwise, it's sort of a living hell. <laughs> That's just that's just my experience. I was born in L.A. Um, I was raised in San Diego, and I spent oh, some really? time, yeah, in San Francisco. And I've also lived in Bakersfield, so I've lived all up and down California. It's, uh, where did where where did you grow up in San Diego? El Cajon. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, and I went to Grossmont High School. Oh, nice. And I left San Diego my junior year in high school. Moved to Des Moines, Iowa. Wow. Talk about a culture shock. Yeah, you probably were the coolest kid, though. I was the tannest kid. I don't know if I was the coolest kid. I had I had the best tan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was weird. You know, the funny thing is too in, in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, more kids smoked in my high school and did drugs and drank in Iowa than they did in San Diego. Yeah, I believe the it. School there, just because people there are more, a little more health conscious. Yep. And uh, not saying that, you know, if you go to school in Iowa or any midwestern town, it's going to be a bunch of meth heads. <laughs> it's no. not like that. But. Um, so anyway, the uh, you moved to San Diego, I did, and yep. uh, 
I'd imagine in California, people are a little more concerned about the environment than maybe the rest of the country. Am I right? Um, yeah, uh, overall they are. They're one of the one of the biggest things when we started this business. I was in the corporate world for a while before I got into this business, and um, one of the things that I found once I started this business and I started in consulting first was that while everybody cares about the environment, nobody wants to pay for it. Nobody wants to pay extra for it. So people care about protecting the planet and being environmental, but they care a lot more about paying their own bills and their mortgage and their kids' school and you know the quality of life that they're living. There's a, there's a really, really small percentage of the population that is really focused on just protecting the environment at all costs and, and they don't care what they spend. So it's not a, it's not, that's not a market I went after. You know, those are people sort of who are, you know, who who have already drank the Kool-Aid and already believe. So um, our business was predicated around going after people who either didn't believe, um, but, you know, either wanted to make money um, or live in a healthier, live in a healthier house. Sure. Okay. So why did you get involved or interested in creating so let me rewind a little bit yeah um you're a real estate investor first right yes Mm -hmm. okay so talk about how you got into real estate so i got into real estate i was working at a uh at a you know in in corporate america doing really well and i've always loved real estate like when i was a kid my favorite game was monopoly it's still my favorite game Uh, my second favorite game was risk which is just sort of a more aggressive version of monopoly yeah and and I just loved it. I just loved the fact that like you could make money by owning property and selling it or holding it or whatever. And when I, you know, when I first started, the very first deal I did, which is I did as a um, as a broker, was a pretty easy deal. And I remember I made, you know, we made like you know thirty five thousand dollars on it or whatever it was. And and I remember thinking, wow, like this was this was pretty easy. And I didn't have to put a suit on. I didn't have to go anywhere. Right. You know, I didn't have to go to an office to do this. I could do this just because I was, you know, the relatively smart guy who was able to put a deal together. And that really struck me. And, you know, that's you know, probably one of the things I love about real estate the most. Yeah, you're a deal maker. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody in real estate is, you know, which is, you know, and you're either a good deal maker or you're a bad deal maker. And how long ago was that again? That was in what was that? That was 2000. Okay. And so you've been doing deals ever since? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've done, uh, you know, I, I, I bought a real estate company in 2005 where I had 70 agents working for me and I was doing my own deals as well. And then I sold it a couple of years later. I sold it right before the big crash. And then and I've been on my own with a really small team since then. And we've done you know, a couple hundred deals across the country and then, you know, a largely single family residential. And then we just start and then I'm, you know, done coaching along those lines, helping people do green real estate. And then from there that grew into doing some bigger projects and then starting to do development. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so you're a licensed agent then yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a broker in California. Okay. Now, what are you doing today? So, we have a big project that we're working on, which is a mixed use, 10 unit mixed use ground up new development. That is a, a 10 unit, two retail location, fully green property in Oceanside, California, which is um, just yeah, a city just north of San Diego, but still in San Diego County. And it, we're two blocks from the beach. And so we're setting this thing up to be um, 
uh, you know, healthy green luxury condos right by the beach, perfect for people who, um, you know, love the beach, but then also want to be near, uh, you know, con- you know, a city and have convenient living and all that. So love pretty- Oceanside, by the way. We yeah, were, it's we fantastic. Were, yeah, we and, were just and, there a couple uh, months ago. Less than oh, that. all right, cool. So you probably saw how much how much redevelopment's going on. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's awesome. So we're you know we're, I've always believed like you know hey, if you're going to build or you do something, try and do it in the path of progress. Yeah, Oceanside's one of those. Um, pretty soon, <laughs> it's going to be all connected. L.A., San Diego. Yep. Except for the big military base. Yeah, except for Camp Pendleton, which yeah. is right there. Yeah, everything else will be. It'll all be <clears> just one giant city. Yes. So you mentioned fully, fully green, Jim. What is fully green? What does that mean? So for us, that means, you know, so, and as you know, there are different standards. So there's, there's LEED, there's Energy Star. So we're shooting for Energy Star certification on this project. We're also doing things like, you know, we're putting solar on the roof. We're doing rain barrel, uh, rainwater um, uh, collection systems. And what, when, what we're trying to do with the rainwater is that when we collect it, we'll be able to donate it to some local farm, farms in the area. So huh. they'll be able to pull the truck up. Uh, once or twice a month in the back and, and, you know, punch a code in and get, you know, get all that water. So they'll be able to do that. Can you just, um, can you just reuse it for yourself? We can, we don't have a ton of irrigation on our property, so we will use it for some of that, but there'll be a lot of surplus because believe it or not, ocean, you know, Oceanside and San Diego gets, gets an okay amount of rain, probably gets 16 inches a year. So, uh, and with these, with these, Rainwater catchment systems will be able to save a couple hundred gallons um, per rain event. So it's a it's a pretty good you know it's, it's a pretty decent amount of water, especially for a local farm, um, especially if it's you know we're giving it to them for free. Well, that's cool. But could you use it for your showers and you know cleaning dishes you if you wanted? No, you re- you can't use you really can't use it for your showers. You could use it to um, you could you you could use a, what's called a gray water system for your sinks. Excuse me, for your um, uh, like flushing your toilets and that sort of thing. But really, when you look at the cost of putting a gray water system in in a building like this, and really the the savings on it, it they're not super high. It's better to use the rainwater because you get a decent amount of it. Okay, so but you don't use the rainwater though. You're you're just sending it to the farmers. Is there a so way you, know, you could? I'm sorry. We're going to use some of it for all all the irrigation on the outside, okay. and then we'll give out. We'll give away the surplus. I can imagine right now the the tension in California is pretty high, based on the drought that you have. And yes. anytime somebody driving down the street sees somebody uh, watering or sprinkling their lawn, yes, probably a lot of feathers are ruffled, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but. Um, you know, my rule of thumb on any project we've done, doesn't matter where it is, is I never want to water something if someone can't use it. So what I mean by that is so if if you've got a lawn that you're watering, but kids are playing on it, that's one thing. If you've got, you know, you see this a lot in multifamily where you've got these really strange patches of grass that, have, you know, they might be like three feet by four feet that no one really can use. But there's, you know, two sprinkler heads on it because there's grass there. My feeling has always been, you know, take the grass out, xeriscape it, it'll, it'll look better and it'll save you money and it will reduce, you know, your water load. Can't you just let the grass dry and paint it? Aren't, aren't people doing that these days? Yeah, you can, but then it kind of looks, you know, I don't think it looks fantastic when you do that, but yeah, you can. <laughs> 
But I guess the better thing is just to do some different kind of landscaping instead of yes, like yeah, fake grass doesn't work. Yeah, I mean seriously, like half an hour of landscape design will give you something that looks a thousand times better than if you were to paint it or where you were to keep it. Just keep sprinkling it. What you mentioned solar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little ignorant when it comes to these things. Um, what kind of solar power are you putting into these homes and you know, how efficient are they? How much do they actually get to use of what from the panels they have? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, sure, sure. So solar works on what, you know, the way your roof is lined up, how much span you have on the roof. And then if you think about it, it can collect um, a certain amount of energy that will then go into an inverter and will be spread out to all the different homes. So if you think of it, you know, the easiest way to think about it would be in terms of think of if you left a gallon jug out in the rain or a five gallon jug out in the rain or if you left a bathtub out in the rain, they're all going to collect different amounts of water. If you think of that water as being energy, you can then take that energy and and push it through an inverter and then set that out to all of the different um, units in a property. And because it's a smaller property, because it's on a 10,000 square foot lot, it'll get evenly distributed. So so largely the amount of solar that you can use on our project or any other project, it really depends on the roof span and how many panels you can get there. Okay. What, maybe could you put it into you know a typical single family house? If you had sure. um, a, a 2,000 square foot house mm-hmm. with a ranch, normal, maybe two story, I don't know if it matters, <clears throat> and you put the panels on the roof, how mm-hmm. much of your regular use home energy needs can you and can you have covered with solar power does that make sense yeah sure as general you could you could assume about 80 percent wow that much yeah anyway and it's going to go between you know it's probably going to go between you know 60 to 90 but it really again it just depends on every you know every roof is different the way it faces other trees around that sort of thing but you could just general rule of thumb if you really wanted to max it out i would say 80 percent is a good number do you do anything with windmills uh, I don't. I've got a good friend who runs a um, wind farm factory, uh, excuse me, a wind farm, a couple different wind farms in uh, the Kahatchee area of California, if you know that area. But no, right, you know, down here, resident, they don't really make a lot of sense for residential because they're really big. Um, even some of the smaller ones um, are still decent size and they're pretty loud. Oh, and really? most, yeah, most cities don't want to see a, a, a windmill on somebody's property. That's not something that they're usually that into. I imagine there's got to be something out there, right? If you're on the beach, because there's a lot of wind out there, mm-hmm. you could have some kind of windmills set up on your porch that overlooks the ocean that's mm-hmm. constantly blowing, producing electricity, or is that is the technology not there yet for that? I think the technology. I think the technology is close. You know, wind is a is an interesting energy source because you lose a lot of it as you as you pull it through the line. So, so basically, if you think of, you know, these gigantic wind farms outside of LA, they have to get all of that energy to a uh, central office and then convert that into energy, and then you you know you got to take that into the city, and that you know those are usually pretty long spans, so you lose a lot of the power along the way. If you, along the lines, if you think of like the water coming down from Colorado to San Diego. Um, a lot of that gets evaporated, you know, in the, you know, in the way it's, you know, you lose it, you have to filter it, whatever. 
So there is some degradation in that when you use those. I think we're, I think we're, I think while that would be a good solution, the wind and or solar, I think the technology with solar is so strong right now um, that it's not so much the energy source of where we're getting the energy source. It's more about how we're building homes right now. Because if you if you build a home out of Swiss cheese, it doesn't matter what kind of energy source you're pushing through to it because it's you know it's going in one window and going out you know going out the other. Okay, let me ask you back to the solar again. Then, mm-hmm. um, what would a typical cost be of a two thousand square foot house? And I know this is California; it might be different in other parts of the country. <clears throat> to get sure, a sure. system that can cover sixty to eighty percent of your electrical needs. And again, this is just going to be super round, but I would say anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand is is a good you know, ballpark on what it would be depending. And again, it depends on what area of the country you're in and uh, it depends on a multitude of factors. Uh, There are some also really cool programs out there where you can get um, the cost of solar put into your property tax bill. So instead of paying, you know, $50,000 upfront, you can have it added to your property tax bill over the next 15 years. It's called the PACE program. It's a federal program. Interesting. Yeah, it's one I recommend for people if they're going to, you know, especially, you know, let, let's say, you know, as a, as an investor, let's say you're doing a buy and hold, right? And you want to throw utilities in with your rent, depending on where, where you are in the market. Well, if you do solar on it and you can have, instead of coming up with all the money to do solar, you can put it through pace and you get that finance. Well, then that's an additional amount of revenue coming to you every month because Instead of, you know, first of all, your utilities are way lower. And if you've included that, if you've included that in the rent, then you can actually charge a little bit more in rent. So you make that extra amount of money on your, on your rental on a monthly basis. And then you're also paying it off over 15 years. If you're doing a, if you're just a a whole property. How much of the total bill for the solar electric power can you put on your tax bill and spread it out? Like if it costs 40 grand. You put the whole thing. So you don't have to pay anything out of pocket. Uh, there's some, you know, there's some fees to do it, and there's some minor stuff, but yeah, that's it's it's pretty negligible. And this is nationwide. It's a national. Mm-hmm. Wow. Where yeah, can people go to get more information about that? Um, you, I don't know off the top of my head. You, you'd have to look up. I mean, I've got we've got our contacts, but um, so your people can email me, and I can get them in touch with somebody. Okay. Um, especially if they're on the West Coast, because you know I know the people on the West Coast. But otherwise, they can look up just the PACE program. It's P-A-C-E. Um, I always forget about the acronym for it, but it's like Property Assessed Clean Energy. Fascinating. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are available to investors that, you know, when we've coached people, work with people that they just never heard of. Um, and you're not asking, but I'll just give you another one. There's another one. There's a great, great website. It's called DesireUSA.org. <laughs> And it's, let me just give you the website. It's D-S-I-R-E-U-S-A.org. Okay. And what, what you can do on that website is you can look up in, you know, wherever you are and you can look up and see what state rebates are available, what federal rebates are available, um, what um, city rebates are available, county rebates, all that. So you can get, an, you know, you can get insight into everything. So, and it also, and it does it by property type. So let's say you're investing in multifamily, if you're doing single family, industrial, commercial. Um, so you can, you can see exactly what's available to you. And a lot of times they're, you know, they're not, 
They're not huge programs, but as an example, if you find a program where you can get um, all of your appliances, if you get a you know $300 rebate on every appliance that you buy and you buy three of them, well, you just saved almost a grand. And and you've been able to put Energy Star appliances into your into your property, which gives it a higher value. So that's one of the websites that you know when we coach people, work with people, um, we've been using that one forever, and there are just some great programs on it. Yeah, I'm looking at it. it's D S I R E. I know you just said that. Yep. But I did it wrong because I wasn't listening. <laughs> it's D S I R E USA dot org. Yep. And yeah, I've put in my zip code, and it gives me a lot of um, tax credits here. Yep, there's all kinds of stuff on that one. Forty-one programs, it says. Yeah, right, and, so, you know, and usually, you know, yeah. those are these, those are programs that no one else, you know, you just don't know about if you're an investor. I want to ask you about um, um, energy from the ocean. This has always fascinated me. Mm-hmm. There is, and, and you probably know more about this being on the West Coast than I do, but I've always been fascinated hearing about these startups that develop this technology that can get electricity from the ocean just in the movements of the waves mm-hmm. putting and then you you can't see them they're under the ocean they actually help aquatic life because they give more things for them to you know get around and stuff like that um wh- what's the latest that you see um in southern california maybe specifically on getting energy from the ocean um from the waves and the tides you know i don't Believe it or not, I don't know a ton about that. Um, I do know that, like like other like other stuff out there, I, I do believe the technology is there. You have to you have to remember though that just because the technology exists um, doesn't mean that any city or any county or any state is really going to put it into play. Because if you think about, and this is really unfortunate, and this is sort of the cynic. Uh, in me that that sort of takes over the idealist. Um, if there's no money to be made in it for somebody or for a group, it's it, a lot of those things um, just don't come to fruition. It's very okay. similar to like very similar to like campaign reform, right? There's no money in that for anybody, which so which is unfortunate because it means that you know we we'll just won't you know probably won't have it. So if you think of power from the ocean, well, if you get power from the ocean, well, who's the biggest? You know, who's the who's going to get the hit? Who's going to get hit the hardest on that? Well, the utilities are. So they will make it as difficult as possible to to do that because that's a you know that can potentially put them out of business. Especially when you think of like all the cities that are on the coast, on the west coast and the east coast. Um, I think it's a fascinating, fascinating thing, though. I, I really do. I, I do believe that from a technology standpoint, our and from an environmental standpoint, our biggest issue isn't energy. It's actually water. Water is by far the biggest issue because it's a it's more it's a finite resource. Like we we have the technology to to get as much energy as we want. We just have to build homes better um, and get smarter energy. But it's really water is the biggest biggest problem that we face from an environmental standpoint. Interesting. Well, that you know, water is a renewable resource, isn't it? Though I mean, the water doesn't disappear and just. Mm-hmm. It, it's not you can't waste it you can't throw it away so why is water such a such a concern well, right now so if you think about it so in california um we filter all you know like our, we water our lawns and irrigate with basically drinking water 
like so 60 percent of the water that's used in California that's potable drinking water goes towards irrigation. That's not 60, something that sixty percent. Yeah, yeah, it's like six. I think it's sixty-two percent or whatever it is, <clears throat> which is an amazing number. So if you think of and the other thing is we use all of our water. We only use it once. So I went. So as an example, I went to Taos, New Mexico, and toured the Earth Homes a few years back, and they use their water like five times. They've got, you know, they use drinking water, which then turns into gray water, which then, you know, is used in their showers, excuse me, which is then used in their toilets and their washing machines. And then that water is, is filtered into like an organic uh, garden outside. And there's an aquifer underneath, underneath that garden. And then whatever's left of that water gets recycled through this whole process. So they use the same water four and five times um, during its life. Whereas in California, we take potable water, 60% of our potable water is just used to irrigate. And the majority of that irrigation is not for agri- agricultural. Its majority is for landscape. Okay. That is fascinating. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, right? But I think about that too. I mean, um, the water went somewhere. It doesn't disappear. Right. So it, it, the way the water works, it goes into the ocean and then it just evaporates up, gets put right. back into the clouds, into rain. And yeah, maybe the water levels, the ocean levels are rising, but the water just doesn't disappear. I think that's something that maybe is beyond the scope of a real estate podcast, but it's probably, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating topic for me thinking about where, where all that stuff goes. Okay. So I want to ask you like, Jim, how can this stuff be profitable? You, this energy conservation, um, and using a lot of recyclable materials to build your houses with and stuff like that. Um, how do you make money with that? It's expensive, isn't it? Well, okay. So I'll give you kind of an overall thing on it. So at, uh, let's start with this. And again, I can only talk about California and I can talk about my, my experiences in other parts of the country. But so in California, uh, UCLA and Berkeley did a study a few years ago. And what they found was that homes that have any green label on them at all, whether they're LEED, Energy Star, um, Built Green, doesn't, you know, uh, Green Globes, doesn't matter what it is. If they had a green label on them or green certification on them, they sold at a 9% premium over comparable homes, which is a pretty, pretty big premium when you think of in California. Now, green, I would say if you're not getting rebates and if you're not you know, depending on how you're doing the design, green may cost you about the same as what your typical rehab is. Um, maybe a little bit more, but you know, if you're doing it right, it's not going to cost you more than like three to five percent more. And I'll talk about that in a second. I can tell you from my experience, when we've done green homes in other parts of the country, we've done them in Texas, we've done them in Arizona, we've done them in D.C., Detroit. So we've done them all over the place, and and we really. It's kind of funny, actually. We've never really done them in, in places that are known to be environmental hotbeds. We didn't do them in Seattle. Um, you know, we didn't do any in San Francisco. But what I can tell you, as an example, in Arizona, we did, we did three homes during this one time period. And all those three homes, the market rate for selling homes in that time was uh, like around 100 days. We sold all three of those homes in less than 25 days, had them in contract in less than 25 days and closed, you know, within a couple of weeks after that. 
We also sold them at, at, a, at a premium. So I don't remember what the exact number is, but I, but assuming say comps were like 300 grand, I want to say we sold them at like 15 to $20,000 over what traditional comps were. And we were able to do that because of the green elements in the home, because green homes also tend to appraise higher because they're considered to be built better and that because the utilities are um, not going to be as expensive, the value of the home goes up because your total net cost of that home goes down. And, and so we saw this to be the case no matter where we went. And, and, and really, it, it's really kind of interesting because you wouldn't expect it to be the case in Arizona, as an example. You know, most, most of the people that we worked with in Arizona, um, they didn't necessarily believe in green, but they believed in, you know, they believed in saving money sure. and, living in, and living in a healthier home. So that, I, I would say the way real estate investors make money on this when we work with them and, and if they do them on their own is by using the concept of everyone wants to live in a healthier home and everybody wants to save money. Those are things that are tried and true no matter where you go. So to your point, I would say that, you know, if you try and sell somebody on green, you'll lose. But if you try and sell somebody on saving money and living in a healthier environment, you'll win. And that's what we found no matter where we went. That's fascinating. Yeah. You know, I think people have different um, desires or needs when it comes to that. I think for me, I'd be more interested in being off the grid. Yeah. We have a lot of people like that. Just, you know, if the world goes to hell in a handbasket or if the yeah, zombie okay. apocalypse happens, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'd be okay. I've yeah. Got, I've got my guns. I've got my <laughs> generators. I'm just kidding. I do, but just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <Not laughs> yeah, right. yeah. No, kind of kidding. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it would be cool to have that kind of like, ah, you know what? I'm self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. I can get my own water. I can get my own power. I can get my own food. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all going to be okay. Just yep. having that peace of mind, I think, is helpful. And to know that, and I'm not a big environmentalist. I've always voted right, um, you know, like the right of the political spectrum. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. More conservative, you know, as it were. But I still think <clears throat> the environment is really important to take care of and to be concerned about. I mean, okay, gli- global climate, global warming, climate change and all that. Let's say, even if it, I, I'm not going to get into the argument whether it's real or not, but so what it, let's say it turns out to be false, okay, and we, the climate is not warming and the ocean levels are not rising or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so, so what? I mean, if you look at all of the changes that we've been making as, as a society, being more, becoming more concerned about the environment, it's has done nothing but help right. the, the environment. It's, it's, because am I making my point clear? Like, even if it's wrong, the changes that we're making and that we're trying to make our cars better and our houses better, mm-hmm. it's, that's all a good thing. Yeah, those are all good things. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's become... You know, it's less, I think it's less of a political thing these days than, than, than what it used to be. You know, it used to be when I first got into it, it was more of a leftist, hippy dippy, you know, crazy liberal, we're all going to save the planet and, you know, wear Birkenstocks, grow our hair out and have, you know, sesame seeds in our teeth. And it's, (laughs) 
And it's not like that, you know, and I've always described myself, you know, people ask, you know, what we do. And I always say, oh, well, I'm a capitalist tree hugger, you know, because <laughs> while I'm, you know, a pretty hardcore environmentalist, I also believe that there's money in it. And sure. I think that, you know, it, and that and people aren't going to do it if there's not money in it. Excellent. So I think it is fascinating that you could actually put some energy savings into a house and it helps the the, the appraisal value of the house go up. You can actually sell it for more. Yep, exactly. I wanted to ask too, Jim, real quick, and we only got about 10 minutes before I have to go. Um, sure. What are some other ways that you can be green when you're rebuilding a house? Well, talk about some of the materials you use to build a home. Sure, sure. So we, you know, we have a couple of different things. So some of these are super obvious. Um, but like as an example, when you're choosing paint, paint is one of the biggest toxins in any home. So you've got things like ammonia and benzene and, you know, all these other really harmful things to your central nervous system, which is in most paint. So instead of choosing traditional paint or low VOC paint, go with a no VOC paint. Now, there are a lot of uh, companies out there that purport to have no VOC paints, um, but really they're only no VOC paint if you only use white. If you use any other color but white, and you add the you know you add the dyes to it, then they become VC uh, VC painting, uh, uh, VOC paint, and VOC means uh, volatile organic compounds, which you want to avoid those. So, um, but Olympic makes a really good one. It's a no no VOC paint that's really good, no matter even if you put dyes into it. So we use so that's one thing to do. The finishes on your cabinets is another another big thing. Get an eco uh, eco-friendly finish one that's either um, you know that doesn't have the harmful toxins in it they look exactly the same just like the paint they looks exactly the same so it's the same quality but without the harmful chemicals if you're gonna put carpets down so where we live as you know in San Diego like you know we don't need carpet anywhere um, so we never put carpet down but if you're in an area where it's a little bit colder and you have to have carpet go with a carpet that is either a hypoallergenic carpet or something that doesn't have um, all the toxins that are typically in carpet. So uh, Mohawk makes um, a really good one. I call it, it's called, um, I think it's called a strand carpet, the no VOC carpet. So start looking, the first thing I would look at is the finishes of what you're doing. Okay. The So so that's from a health, that, that's from a health perspective. The other thing we tell people to do, which is, you know, when you're buying, you know, let's, let's assume someone's just doing a rehab, right? And you've gone on Desire USA and you see that there's some rebates that are available. I always recommend getting a home energy audit. So getting a HERS rater to go in there and you spend a couple hundred bucks, you have them go through the house and you'll find out where all the issues in the house are. And then you, you can fix those issues. It's usually you know relatively inexpensive to do that. And now you've got a home that's way more energy efficient. So in lieu of just going out and saying, this is the biggest mistake I see people make. They say, we want to be green. We think it's going to be awesome. It's going to sell for more money in our in our area. So we're going to go, you know, we're going to put this $50,000 solar package on our house. And I'm like, well, wait, have you done a home energy audit yet? Because doing solar without having a home energy audit done is kind of like, you know, buying a Tesla before you know how to drive. You know, you got to get the home energy audit done so you see where the issues are in the house first so that you can then also get the house sized correctly for the solar when it's done. And home energy audits are not expensive. There are HERS raters all over the place who can do them for you. Um, 
and then you get a better understanding of where you know where the home lies. Uh, and then also when you're selling it, you can sell it with those improvements. You can say like, look, we sold it with um, no VOC paint and low flow filters and you know Mohawk smart strand carpet, and we also got a home energy audit, blah blah blah. And those are all things that will give your property a higher perceived value, which you know obviously it'll sell more. Um, one of the things that we've always done as an example, so I know you've, I'm sure that you've seen, you go into a house and they give you a flyer. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when we've done our flyers, we'll have the pictures on the front, but on the back, we'll put, we'll put a checklist of all the green elements that we've, that we've looked at, or excuse me, that we've added to the home. So it'll be like, you know, 20 or 30 things. And then we'll put the home address at the top and then the checklist box box with all the things checked and then we'll leave two spaces for them to write in comparable properties. So when and we, we, you know, we say like, okay, you can use this when you go look at other houses to see if it, you know, see how they compare to what we're doing. Because obviously when they go to another house, you know, the other house isn't going to have any of those green elements in there. So it's just another way to differentiate yourself when you're, when you're doing those properties. Okay. What about exterior components? You know, do you, Use f- f- certain kinds of um, special kinds of windows for for insulation. What do you put in insulation and the walls? Yeah, that that's all driven by the home energy audit. So it depends on the windows. I mean, obviously, we want to go with double double pane windows when we can. Well, so you're uh, saying that that maybe I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry about that. So the the audit kind of tells <laughs> okay. you, the audit kind of yeah. tells you this is what you need to do. Yeah, because it's the it's the diagnostic. It's like going in for a physical. It's like I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not going to have ankle surgery if it's my if if my knee is twisted. You know, so you go in and fix you know the the bigger ticket items that make the most sense. That that's why we do the audit. You know, because you because somebody comes in there with a uh, a thermal camera, takes pictures, does a blower door test, and 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 will tell you exactly what's wrong with that home so that you can fix those big issues, and then you and then you can turn around and sell it as a green home. Okay, very cool, Jim. This has been fascinating. And I know we've probably only scratched the surface. Where can uh, people go to get more information about you? The best, the best thing to do is you can look at our project, which is in Oceanside. And that website is 314 Beach Lofts. So uh, beach, like going to the beach, and then lofts, plural, dot com. So 314beachlofts.com. We're still looking for a few investors on that project. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing. You, you'll dig the website. I'm going there right now. And um, you mentioned a couple times that you coach and you help people do this stuff too. Is that right? I do. I do. I get, um, you know, I work with real estate investors all over the country. I've worked with them for a while and help them either start their businesses or help them get into green real estate investing. I've got a five-hour program I put together as well um, that I send people. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun because a lot of people come to me and they don't necessarily know um, how to how to do it. They have an interest in it. They see there's value in it and, and we get them set up and get them, um, get them going in their, in their market. And where can they get more information about that? Uh, the best way to do that is to email me directly. So my email is Jim at Epic So E P I C A L L D A Y.com. Good. Jim at Epic and the website with your Oceanside project. It's a really cool website. I Thank like you. it is 314 Beach Lofts. And the, you have some pictures of some blueberries. Yes. <laughs> Those look really good. 
<laughs> on there. There's a bunch <laughs> of different pictures that are kind of flipping through. Yes. But, um, oh, man, makes me, uh, all these pictures of California. Come on back and visit. Makes me, in fact, you know what? I might be there in a couple of weeks for a Call mastermind. Call to buy a beer or coffee or whatever. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jim, thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. And uh, this is a fascinating topic. And hopefully, um, I, I hope that you get all of the funding that you need. And this project Thank goes you. on smoothly and you make a lot of money on it. Thank you. Thank you. Great, having, great being here today. I really appreciate it. It's fun hanging out with you guys. You're doing some good stuff, and keep up the good work, Jim. Thank you so much. Good talking to you, Joe. All right, thanks. Hey, guys, if you want more information about this, you want to go to the show notes, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and check out the show notes. Uh, get the links on how to get a hold of Jim. Take a look at the, uh, the project that he has going on right now in California and get some more information. All the links and the notes from the show are going to be at realestateinvestingmastery.com. And I'm not sure of the episode number yet, but if you just do a search for Jim, and you'll find him there. All right. Thanks a lot again, Jim. See you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. 